0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. I need four volunteers to help read these four opening passages, passages, verses from, oh, here, four verses. I need four volunteers to do it. We're doing something called Lectio Divina. It's divine reading. It's trying to get the, okay, it's ready to go. I appreciate that. It's trying to help us have the scripture rest on our hearts and in our bodies, and maybe even get it a little bit out of our heads. So we read it slowly. The first one is the Lectio reading. So go, okay, you're gonna be the first one. Let's have a, do we have a microphone? Oh, good. The stand over here, wonderful. So, Kate, offer us a slow
1: meditative reading. How long, O Lord, shall I cry out, yet you do not listen? I scream outrage to you, and you do not rescue. Why do you show me mischief, and you look upon wretchedness? Plunder and outrage are before me, quarrel and contention I bear therefore teaching fails, and justice never comes forth. For the wicked surrounds the righteous, therefore perverted justice comes forth.
0: Thank you, Kate. What's being
1: laid on your heart as you read this?
0: As you've read it, what comes to you? What do you wanna share? This is just to share your prayerful thought. It doesn't have to be very uh, thought through or eloquent, just what's on your heart? Just a one, two, one to three people sharing would be good. You want to talk, Kate? Uh, sure. I thought you were gearing up to do it.
1: It makes me think about the, uh, the sort of Christianity that I was handed growing up, one where I was supposed to have this special friend in Jesus that would help me with all my problems, and mostly what I got was... Uh, silent stepfather who didn't really seem, be interested in me the way that he was in all the other children at Sunday school, if that makes sense. So I feel this, Mm. like there's this thing that everyone else seems to have that never made it as far as me. And you could never talk about it because it was obviously your fault for not being holy enough.
0: Anyone else want to share? Thank you, Kate. Let me read one more rendition of this before we keep going. This is from a different translation, but I want to share it with you. You can read along here. Pay attention to the differences. See if it stirs something up in you. The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw, O oh Lord, how long shall I cry out for help? And you will not listen. Or cry to you violence and you will not save. Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law becomes slack. justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous, and therefore justice comes forth perverted. Let's pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Hmm. I was speaking to a, a new friend a few weeks ago, well, actually this week, and I'm getting to know her because I serve on the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee of Adair School. This is an interesting, or uh, my kids go to Adair, it's in Fishtown, and It's pretty white. Adair's white. Um, and, like, my kids aren't, and I'm not either. So it's interesting to, like, I want to participate in some anti-racism work at Adair, you know. Because I think when... Uh, right when Agatha started, my youngest kindergarten, in Fishtown, we had, like, the... I, I think... The, you know, we had some um, aggressive demonstrations of white supremacy happening, and you know, that's kind of scary to witness. So what are we gonna do with when we have people that are, during Black Lives Matter protests, you know, crying out for white power, and we got brown kids around? You know, I thought one or two things. One, they're gonna experience racism on their own, or two, they're gonna become racist. It could go both ways, you know? Um, and maybe even, sometimes even both can happen. Um, So I I care about the issue, and I I said, sure, I'll I'll lend my voice to this committee. Uh, She didn't know me well and wanted to get to know me, pastor, author, whatever. She said she wants to read my book, and I asked her if she had any faith, you know, like, do you even, why would you want to read this? She didn't, and she said she wasn't religious, and I thought that was fine, you know. There's a time in my life where, like, I try to talk about, like, the seed of faith you might have and, you know, how... If you, you know, listen listen to the sound of the ocean overtake you, you might wonder if there's something more in the world. And we look for images of faith around us that help us reach the metaphysical. Um, And I think those things are good to do. But I just thought, you know, when the present reality is so troubling, with Christian nationalism... Which is in the news lately? More even Christian supremacy, Christian uh, exceptionalism, rampant. I don't know what kind of person would want to find Christian faith. So I'll stop the little sermon at the coffee shop, and just like listen to what your experience is. She wasn't particularly hurt by anything. She just didn't grow. Up, she grew up in Southern California in a secular community. You know. Okay, I didn't. She didn't. She didn't catch any faith. I said, look, my faith has formed me to oppose the forms of oppression that we're trying to counter and try to pursue justice. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that formation. I'm glad I had it. And it's kind of a brutal thing to say, but I said, but look, if I wasn't a Christian now, I think the prospect of becoming one would be hard. Because there's just, Christians are doing wild things all the time. Um, And it's, just, it's, not, it's not encouraging, you know? I have a seed of faith that has grown in me for a long time, and as, a, as an adult even, you know, even in Circle of Hope it's grown, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but my experience isn't everybody's, imagine starting from scratch now with the landscape as it is. You know, someone recently asked me, like, what's next for Circle of Hope? And I thought to myself, well, what's next for Christianity. Where's God going to lead us next? You know, there's, a, there's an existential crisis everywhere, especially after the pandemic. Christians everywhere are responsible for terrible things, and you don't have to look far to see it. Um, I know this is a political thing to say, but, you know, white evangelicals are the motivating force behind the U.S.'s turn towards white supremacy. Like, they're not incidentally a part of this group. They are the main people advocating for it. I mean, that's kind of troubling. It's not, like, they're not just a small part of it. It is the group. And they remain the group that's most supportive of uh, Donald Trump. In fact, support for Donald Trump grew among white white grew among white evangelicals um, from 82% in 2016 to 85% in 2020, so more, less weren't deterred. Like, people weren't deterred, they were amped up, you know, after they saw everything, okay? So we look at the sordid record of the former president, which, you know, I feel okay saying. And the Christian celebration of it, it's hard to grasp how some people, especially people doing DEI work at a white school, would want to be like, oh yeah, let's do the Christian thing. That's one thing, but then there's sex abuse allegations all over Christianity. You know, it's, it's, in the Roman Catholic Church, which is most of the world's Christians are in this, in this group. Or the Southern Baptist Convention—that's the largest Protestant denomination, high church and low church—and then any number of other organizations and denominations. You know, even in the Brethren in Christ, our former denomination, the pastor of the biggest church in Canada has five allegations of sexual assault against him. You know, in, in the Mennonite tradition our biggest theological voice was John Howard Yoder, and, and built theology to defend his sexual abuse. So it's like, what, what? So like, you're looking around and you see this isn't good. And then within Christianity, we see ableism, racism, homophobia, environmental ruin, all sorts of other problems. So Christians are often the poster children for like the, the worst things about the US and in the world. And oftentimes consistently on the side of the oppression and not the oppressed. So it's hard to imagine me not opposing them if I didn't, hadn't come to faith yet. So I can see why people lose faith in the face of Christian hypocrisy. And even in, when you're involved in a church and you're in a community that has formed you and shaped you, whether it's here or elsewhere, and then you see narcissism, abuse, self-interest, power-hungry leaders, you know, take something that you loved and turn it into something far different. You know, I've witnessed a house of love turned into a house of bigotry. I can understand why people leave, not just communities, but faith, too. In predominantly white spaces, as BIPOC try to stretch out and be themselves, that's a hard thing to do anyway for anybody, no matter where you're from, whatever social position you're in, to be accepted for who you are. And I, I, I would say that if you come from a powerful social position, it's even hard to know how to stretch yourself out because the power um, keeps you from becoming human. But as BIPOC try to stretch themselves out, they're ridiculed and shrunk down, and said to tamp down, be quiet, don't do that. We don't do that here. Making too much noise, causing too many problems, you know? In the U.S. right now, there's uh, 450 people a day dying of COVID. And so that's why we take these extra precautions here, you know. But that's, that puts us in the minority of people, and especially of Christians, who let the immune compromised. You know, this, I was interviewing Bethany Bender on Resistant Restore this week. Come out, it comes out next week. She was just a regular uh, healthy member of our community. Got COVID in March of 2020 and has become disabled since then. She has chronic fatigue syndrome now. So not only did she get COVID, she got disabled and then more vulnerable against COVID. So it became a, um, her comorbidity made it a more dangerous prospect. So it, 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 it infected her and then disabled her. When, 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 women empower, when we say we empower women and, until they challenge patriarchy and then they're quieted down, we say all are welcome, but we won't dignify LGBTQIA people. Right? These painful realities make people lose faith, walk away from the church and wonder where is God in any of it. And when I look around the world and I see how terrible things are, I, I also wonder where God is. You know, where is God when the 14-year-old boy is killed in Roxborough? You know, like that kind of senselessness. I mean, that's, that's mortifying, right? That that could happen. And then when we talk about solutions to it, people say you're just being political. You're politicizing the issue. Well, what do you mean? A society that can't keep children safe is, is a failed society. This isn't working. 23 children this year in Philadelphia have been killed by gun violence, 23. That's a classroom. You know, where is God when 450 are dying of COVID every day? Where is God with all the injustice and violence that's around our city and world? You know, and it feels kinda hot to me, the whole environment. You know, in the summer in Philadelphia, sometimes things get a little bit more intense. But it's October now, and it still feels hot, you know. I was driving down 95 to get to my house here in Fishtown, and I heard the news of the Roxborough killing as I was witnessing, like, this not insignificant fire at 3rd and Venango or whatever. It's like billowing in the sky. And I was like, man, Philadelphia is wild right now. What is happening? I've been here for a long time. Not as long as some of you, but I don't know. It it feels worse. I don't know how else to to say it, to experience it. And then I'm reading Habakkuk, and it rang true for me. How long will I cry out and you don't listen, God? Uh, he, uh, Habakkuk sees horrors around him. And what's worse is that he's crying out to a God that isn't listening. Habakkuk, um, real briefly, um, 7th century BCE prophet, in, right at the end of the time of the kingdom of Judah, predicting Judah will fall to the Babylonians. This is, this is the real-time thing that's occurring. But this just rings true everywhere. what's worse he's crying out to a God that he's saying you aren't listening and asking God why am I a prophet why did you give me this job there's no justice there's no judgment all the things around me are violence and chaos and Habakkuk gives us permission to bring our prayers to God when we feel like all is lost all hope is lost when we're at our wits end when we like I shared above feel so discouraged we wonder if we can have any hope at all God can hold our grief, our frustration, our lack of faith. And injustice around us dampens our faith and discourages us. And sometimes all we can do is cry out to God, asking why God hasn't shown up. The prophet teaches us it's appropriate to have such strong reactions. And that we should have such strong reactions, that we shouldn't just keep going forever without crying out. Even as despair, even, and even feel despair at the oppression around us. And I think I need that permission, because it's just too much to bear. We can be angry, but we can also be sad and feel hopeless, and there's space for that too. We can hold our faith despite our. Doubt, despite our pain. There's space for you. And the prophet gives us space for that. I want to be clear, though, that doesn't mean that because we can lament that we should just hold on endlessly. We all have limits and boundaries. This is no judgment for somebody who just has to walk away. For somebody who had to leave this church or leave the faith. People get to that end. I hope if we had an opportunity to express our dissent and our lament and our despair, if some people might hold on a little bit longer, if we created a space for lament and outrage and outcry, and if we sang to God in the midst of turmoil like this prophet. The lectionary reading today, we'll skip to chapter 2 in Habakkuk. It goes 1, 1 through 4, and then 2, 1 through 4. And in the second reading, it's more hopeful. God responds. Yet it's meant to offer us hope and despair. But I just wanted to focus on this part today. And not run to the hope. You know, in Christian terms, you know, since so many of of us live on Friday, good Friday, we don't have to run to Sunday. Just feel the pain, feel the discomfort, wonder what will happen. Because we can run to the hope, and I believe that there is a present hope that's coming imminently in this world and and, and, in the age to come too. But I want to feel the trouble that's around me and not get numb to it and allow us to make our own lament. Because sometimes in our lives there is no matching hopeful reading. And that's okay. And we can hold on to our pain together. So consider this as we pray together. What are the things that you are crying outrage to God about? Let's pray, and then we'll do some talk back. Thank you, Lord, for your space, the space you create for us to lament and to feel pain and to despair. May we also cry out to you, even when we think you don't listen. Make it clear that you are. Suffer with us. Know that you are crying out, too. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at Circle of Hope Net.